A lot of people on the Bulletproof diet or people who are controlling their own biology by doing things to take control of, of their health are having trouble because they overpay for life insurance. Life insurance companies haven't caught up with new science studies that look at how different diets affect how long you're going to live. For example, you're on the Bulletproof diet, you have your Bulletproof coffee, and by design, your HDL cholesterol may go up. And HDL is called good cholesterol because it's protective. But life insurance companies believe all cholesterol is bad, even though inflammation is the problem, not the cholesterol. And that means they may charge you more or they may not give you a discount on your life insurance, even though what you're doing is going to make you live longer so their costs will go down. There's a company called Health IQ that advocates for health-conscious lifestyles. They use things like science and big data to get lower rates for people who are paying attention to their health. Things like cyclists, runners, people who exercise, vegans, vegetarians, bulletproof diet, doesn't really matter. People who are paying attention. And they have a proprietary metric called a high health IQ. And people with a high health IQ are 42% less likely to be fat and have a 57% lower risk of dying early. Most of the time, you don't know your health IQ and you probably don't know you can save some money on life insurance by getting your health IQ. Right now, people who listen to Bulletproof Radio can get a free life insurance quote and learn their health IQ by going to healthiq.com slash bulletproof. Just go to healthiq.com slash bulletproof to learn more about how you can get life insurance for people who take care of their own biology. Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io Dave for a seven-day free trial. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that bacteria might actually be able to fight PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. There are researchers right now using a bunch of gut bacteria to improve stress response from U.S. war veterans who are suffering from PTSD. 
if you've listened to Bulletproof Radio for a while, you know that I've personally had PTSD and it's a factor in a lot of executives' behavior patterns they don't even know about. In these new studies on veterans, participants are getting a mixture of lactobacillus ruteri, ruteri, by the way, I have no idea how to say that in Latin because I actually don't speak Latin. Uh, in, I believe it was fourth grade, I learned to say mors ad latium, which is basically death to Latin. That's all I remember from the one quarter of Latin I had, but that would be my oppositional defiant disorder. All right, where was I going with this? Anyhow, you get this cool lactobacilli ruteri, and that comes from human breast milk, and it lowers inflammation. They found that when they use this stuff, that it lowers PTSD symptoms, which is ridiculous. It probably happens because the gut bacteria-brain connection can modulate the immune system, which lowers inflammation in the brain, which lowers the stress response, which means that you can handle fear better. These researchers also found that gut-altered mice had more something called TPH2, which is an enzyme involved in making serotonin. And the mice who got this stuff just had generally less inflammation. So who would have thought? Not only can your gut bacteria make you fat and foggy because they are not working in your interest, they're working in their best interest. You just want to make sure that's all aligned and get rid of the little bastards who don't belong there and make sure the ones who are there behave themselves. At least that's just my advice to you. But who knows, they could do even more for your brain. All right, let's talk about a couple of cool things before we get into the show. Number one, have you tried Bulletproof Collagen Protein? This is an amazing product, something I've been using in my Bulletproof coffee for a very long time, something I wrote about in both books and something that's probably missing from your diet unless you dress in a burlap sack and make bone broth, which takes approximately 24 hours of boiling bones where you stir them, preferably with your hair in a man bun. Okay, I'm just kidding. But you know what I'm saying. I actually do make bone broth at home, so I'm only making fun of myself and my lack of a man bun. Uh, but it is a big commitment, and a lot of us are just too busy, and you don't get very much collagen in bone broth anyway. So you do get minerals. What I do is I use the Bulletproof grass-fed collagen protein to get the amino acids that are present there that are building blocks for bone and skin and joints. And people always say, Dave, how come your skin looks so good? And well, I did take stem cells from my butt and put them in my face. So I'm a butt face. That could be part of it because I have nice skin on my butt. But on top of that, it also could just be that, well, I take an enormous amount of bulletproof collagen and I have for many years. I think that's part of why this all works. The other thing you might notice if you're watching on YouTube, by the way, I always do cool stuff on video. There's like cool biomonitoring stuff behind me and whatever else. But you can go to bulletproof.com slash YouTube to get a direct link to the YouTube channel because I'm wearing some cool glasses here. These are the new metal framed high-end bulletproof, sorry, these aren't bulletproof, the new high-end biohacked, they're called True Dark glasses. These are the Daywalkers. Uh, this is one of the companies that I'm backing and I help them to get launched. This company makes glasses that block half the blue light during the day, which causes your brain to relax, but doesn't completely eliminate them. So you don't have to walk around with those dark orange glasses that I'm famous for wearing like 10 years ago, the blue blockers. But what's absolutely rocked my world is that they come in a set. You get the ones you wear during the day, they give you some blue light, but not too much. And then you put on the night glasses, these are called the twilights. And then you look pretty much like a superhero. These are optical patented filters that filter out every spectrum of light that affects what's called the melanopsin center in your brain. Your mitochondria are deciding whether it's day or night. When you wear these glasses, the mitochondria in your eyes and your brain are convinced it's pitch black. So they act like noise-canceling headphones for your eyes. You literally just chill out when you put them on. And when I wear them for an hour or two before bed, 
I double my deep sleep on an average night. It's completely transformed my ability to sleep, and I'm immune from jet lag, even when I fly to Europe, even when I fly to Dubai and back in, in just a few days. Like, it's completely, completely amazed me that they're, that they're this effective. You can go to biohacked.com. That's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-D.com. And the glasses are called True Dark. They are an amazing biohack. It's just like a one-time thing, and you wear them. More energy all day long from blocking some of the blue, but you get enough of a signal to tell yourself that it's daytime, and you look pretty good if you see this on video. Like These are not crazy pants glasses, and the nighttime glasses will rock your sleep like you've never seen. All right, let's get into the show today. Today's guest is Dr. Jolene Brighton, and she's an expert in hormone balance, thyroid, and a functional medicine leader. And I met her through uh, JJ Virgin, a mutual friend of ours. And what's interesting about Dr. Jolene is that she's trained in naturopathic medicine, but also in biochemistry. So she goes a little bit deeper than you're likely to find. And she wrote a book called Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth, The New Mom's Guide to Navigating the Fourth Trimester. And she's not on just to talk about that. We're going to talk about birth control. We're going to talk about the pill. And I've been an outspoken uh, advocate of not using the pill on the Bulletproof blog since the very beginning of this. And there's, there's very specific reasons, mostly that I like women and the pill is bad for women. I'm just saying it. So Dr. Jolene's going to help us understand that. And on top of that, we're going to talk about just general hormone problems, differences between men and women nutritionally. And we'll get to some other cool stuff like traumatic brain injuries. This is going to be a fascinating interview today, and I'm happy that you're here to listen to it. Dr. Jillian Brighton, thanks for coming on Bulletproof Radio. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I've been a big-time fan for a long time, so this is really exciting to get to come on here and chat with you and to be chatting about all the biohacking stuff that you know, you've been preaching about forever that the research is finally catching up with, I feel like, and how we can apply that to just modern-day society and what's what we're seeing in people's health. It, it's kind of funny. When I surveyed the Bulletproof listener base, and we've got about 50 million downloads, uh, give or take, on Bulletproof Radio now. There are a lot of women who listen to the show, and a surprising number of people, uh, at least surprising if you don't have kids, are people who have kids like I do. Mine are around 10 and 7. And everyone who hasn't had kids doesn't know what's coming from a woman's perspective. You're like, oh, look, I'm pregnant. And like, okay, maybe I threw up, maybe I didn't. And you go through the stuff, my first book being about fertility, like we're in alignment on a lot of that. But my book sort of ended at like, here's how to make formula if you're not making milk. And here's how to have a good birth. Good luck with that. And then you're like, okay, here's what's going to happen. So let's go in, given that so many of us either have kids, are having kids, or are going to have kids, whether you're a man or a woman, this is stuff you need to hear. We won't go too deep on that. We've only got an hour, and we've got a couple other topics. But like, what happens in a, in a woman's body after the baby comes out? Yeah, so this is not something we should just acknowledge that society is not talking about this a lot. Um, once upon a time, we mothered in tribes. There was a wise woman. She guided us through all of this. And there was what was called the fourth trimester. So I call the fourth trimester the first three months after you've had that baby. Um, everyone's focus is on baby. So once baby's delivered, like mom gets the six-week checkup. Hey, your, your vagina's looking okay. No signs of infection. Fantastic. Go upon your way. And when you're tired, you're exhausted, you start having symptoms come up you're met with the diagnosis of being a mother or a father. We see this happens a lot too with men where doctors will just say, well, you've had kids. So of course you feel that way. And in reality, when you go through childbirth, I mean, that's 
probably the most strenuous athletic event a woman's body will ever go through. And if we, you know, really step back and reframe this, if you were to run a marathon, for instance, or do an Ironman, everyone would like hold space for you to recover. And be like, oh, of course you have to recover from that. But for some reason, somewhere along the line, we got it in our head that, you know, women should be able to pop out a baby and then just go along their merry way. And at six weeks, everything's recovered and fine. The only thing that's recovered at six weeks is the size of your uterus. So that has shrunk. And that's what gave medical doctors this, you know, profound idea that, oh, okay, it took you 10 months for your body to grow this human. So you should be able to recover it in six weeks, which leaves a lot of women questioning, well, why, what's wrong with me? Reality is, is it takes a whole year to really rebuild the nutrients and recover your body. Now, when Lana, my wife, uh, who's a medical doctor and co-author of the fertility book, uh, when she, or so when we had kids, I, I, ta- I caught both of the kids at home. Uh, so I said, we had them. And <laughs> afterwards, she described this mommy brain. And, and I like, actually, it, it pisses Lana off when I say this, but I, that means I can say it. She's not in the room. It pisses uh, every mom off. They hate well, that word. <laughs> well, the is, she, she's actually smarter than I am. Uh, but once we had the kids, she's like, my brain doesn't work. She's like, I have mommy brain. Like what's going on here? And Mm -hmm. I I have a a good friend right now who's a CEO and she just had a baby and she's trying to go back to work at six weeks. And she's like, I don't know how to do what I could do before. What's going on there? Yeah. So that's a great one. Okay. So your brain does shrink during the third trimester and it doesn't come back until about six months postpartum. This is evolution <laughs> being super, super smart. What's the whole what's what's the whole premise behind this? Get you hyper focused on baby. You cannot multitask. You can only focus on baby's survival. However, we live in a society that demands multitasking. If you're if you're hearing this and you're freaking out about your brain, um, just know that the research shows that moms actually, their brains come back, and if you tend to them, they actually come back stronger. So you're better at multitasking, your corpus callosum. So both sides, both sides of the brain are actually connected and talking better. But there's, you know, another layer to all of this, and that is when you deliver your baby, what follows is a placenta. And when you deliver the placenta, your hormones instantly drop to the level of like a postmenopausal woman. And we know postmenopausal women have lots of brain fog. Estrogen levels are off, progesterone levels are off, and couple that with the fact that mom is not usually sleeping. And so, you know, maybe it's only three months of not sleeping. Maybe it's an entire year. But every time you're not sleeping and you're spiking your core, uh, your cortisol levels at night, you're not wearing your amber glasses. And I actually have women wear red headlamps so that baby's circadian rhythm isn't getting oh, disrupted. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> We, we make these, or, or the company I'm backing, Biox, makes these special things that stick over all the LEDs uh-huh. to change the optical spectrum to be more oh, red for brilliant. that exact reason, because it, it wrecks babies. I love that you're doing that. Okay, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's like if, you know, so it's always about root cause, right? Why yeah. isn't mom sleeping? Because baby's liver isn't developed. Baby is requiring nutrition every two, two to four hours needs to be delivered to baby. So there's a maturation period that has to happen. But what's really interesting is so, you know, and we'll talk about this with post-birth control syndrome because I clinically observed that like, we can't get women's hormones in balance. We can't do it if the circadian rhythm's disrupted. And there was actually just a research study that was published um, in May of 2017 showing that the liver does not function the way it should if the circadian rhythm is disrupted. So yeah, of course, we can apply that to women. We can apply that to mom. But think about baby. Baby's liver figure out, trying to figure out how to regulate blood sugar. That's one, I mean, baby's tasked with a lot of things in the beginning. So if you're disrupting the circadian rhythm, 
rhythm by turning on the light every time you need a diaper change or a breastfeed, then you're more likely going to have a baby that's up longer. And who knows what the long-term impact is because we haven't started studying that yet. Well, I, I think there is some good evidence from a, a lady named T.S. Wiley who wrote a book called Lights Out, uh, mm-hmm. Sugar, Sleep, and Survival. And she's also written one of the first books completely just eviscerating the birth control pill because of what it does. And I, I knew her personally before she passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she gave me my first copy of her book like in person, and uh, she's been saying the circadian problem is such a big thing that uh, for both of my kids, uh, they've always slept in blacked out rooms, blacked mm-hmm. out curtains, no night lights, no nothing. And you know what that does to parents? It frees you because your kids aren't afraid of the dark because that's how you sleep. Yeah. And they sleep through the night, so then you sleep through the night, and like your quality of life is ten times better if your kids don't wake up every five minutes because they have a nightlight in the room that's keeping them up. Like it, it just drives me nuts when I see people like, "Oh, look, it's cute. I got a nightlight." I'm like, "Kick it. It's bad." Yeah, yeah. No, okay. we. Uh, I even will tell parents, "Put your baby in the closet. Like, put the crib in the closet. <laughs> if you can't get it dark." And I yeah. actually, I found these great um, at IKEA of all places. They have these dark blue curtains, and mm-hmm. I have patients use that, but. You know, what I say is that when all your lights go out in your room, if you can still see anything, like if you're not tripping over yeah. stuff and running into things, it's not dark enough. I'm, you know, I always joke my room, my bedroom's like a cave and we keep it that yeah. way. And my son's as well. And then, you know, we go and op- we have to open up the curtains in the morning. Um, you, you know, you live in a, a similar climate with us, as us. I'm in Portland. You got to right. open up those curtains in the morning. Otherwise you could sleep till 10 um, easily. But, you know, when we couple like the, the disrupted sleep, so if we've got disrupted sleep and spiking cortisol inappropriately, then we're going to destroy the hippocampus of the brain, which is memory memory consolidation. Can you get it back? You can get all of this back. I just, uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Like the brain is capable of tremendous things, but you gotta, you, you gotta do the work. I mean, it's not going to come back just by you, you know, thinking like, oh yeah, I'll just go about it like everyone else has. And we also have to recognize that, you know, we're pretty nutrient depleted as women. I mean, as people, as uh, you know, as a whole, we're pretty nutrient depleted. So it's a pretty revolutionary thing that we're seeing that more women are entering into pregnancy very nutrient depleted. And I think that in generations, we're going to see the impact of that. And there's going to be the women who read the book like yours and got really nutrient, they got their nutrient stores up. And there's going to be the women who just didn't know or they were following their doctor's advice. And I think, you know, in decades from now, as sad as it is, to say we're going to see a contrast between those two cohorts and we're going to see that their children and their children's children have different outcomes the whole epigenetics thing absolutely because you are your you know the sum of your great great grandmother yeah that's what inspired me to to do the better baby book which was my my first really big focus book at 1300 references took five years and it's what we used to turn lana's fertility on but i was afraid my kids would have uh, autism because Asperger's mm-hmm. runs in my family and because I had Asperger's, at least all the symptoms of Asperger's as a child and like didn't really make eye contact very well <laughs> until my mid-20s. <laughs> and I, I'm a, just a different human now than I used to be. Uh, and people who knew me back then know that I was a little bit different. I, I progressed as I went on, but uh, a lot of that's neurological inflammation. But I, I know my genetic weaknesses and like let's give my kids the, the, at least every advantage possible. And what I know is some of my limitations came from my mom and my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coke and donuts isn't a, an appropriate uh, thing, but we didn't know that back then. <laughs> like, we didn't know it back then. It was like, hey, I like yeah. Coke, I like donuts, let's have it, you know, let's have it for breakfast. Like, why not, you know? Plus, back then, the advertisements were like, when is it too young to start Coca-Cola? Never give it to your baby in the bottle. I mean, 
this is why I think in our modern day, a lot of people are a lot more skeptical about medicine because like between the sugar and the cigarettes, like a lot of people got sold a bill of goods where their doctor was, you know, telling them things that wasn't in their best interest, kind of like what we've seen with the birth control pill. Like we we pass that out, but, you know, we're, we're forgetting to say that like there are consequences that come with these things. Uh-huh. But I do want to say, I just want to honor you in writing that book because that's true preventative medicine. Like forget taking your kids in for the like wellness exams I mean that's great we want to track them but what really is preventative medicine is that we took care of that woman and that father like before they ever made a baby so I just want to honor that (laughs) that was really important work that you were doing there and it's I mean that book is going to live on there I mean I don't know how many uh, babies are as a result of the book but I've had a lot of people walk up and just you know hey thanks glowing results and you never know what would have happened without it, so it's always hard to know. But I, I know that for us, Lana was infertile, and we have two kids, so yeah. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got to your goal. <laughs> and also, like I, I appreciate that you wrote the the book about what do you do after after childbirth, because even Lana, I think, was unprepared, and she's a medical doctor. Like they they're trained in this stuff, at least they're supposed to be, and she was partly unprepared because the changes that happen they they affect how you how you think about yourself like you're the very definition of you We're like i have this capability set that i've always been able to rely on and it's different mm-hmm. so the decision making that you would have done the 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 motivation uh, the energy all of those can be so radically different that uh, for a new mom like what just happened and then you feel like maybe you're crazy and and you just you feel like you just don't have what it took to do it before uh, yeah. and and by writing the book about how to heal your body we know anyone who's listening to the show and has for any of the 400 plus episodes, it's, it's like to make the mind work well, you've got to make the body work well. It's very mm-hmm. hard to do personal development meditation work if you can't regulate your blood sugar. It's not impossible. It's yeah. just really hard. Well, and it's like the way I frame that to patients is like if you don't meet the basic survival needs, like consciousness is nice, but it's not necessary for survival. So your body is going to be, you know, very much primed to survive however it can. It's like Maslow's hierarchy and needs until you meet those you know the safety you can never really transcend to that next level and we see that a lot where it's like you can't out meditate your way out of brain fog does it help yes but we've got to go deeper with that and you know writing my book like you know your wife wasn't prepared I wasn't prepared I went through medical school and I went through midwifery certification now I decided not to catch babies because I liked sleep and I saw you know midwives (laughs) like they were a little bit scattered and I'm like I'm a high functioning individual need my sleep but you know it was after the birth of my son I got the same thing six weeks you're good to go bye and then I started having all these symptoms come up which turned out to be Hashimoto's and what I found out once I went down the rabbit hole of research was one in 12 women develop an autoimmune condition autoimmune thyroid as a result of giving birth and when does the hypothyroidism peak of the same time postpartum depression peaks. So, you know, when I stand back and I look at that, and it's it's really funny because I wrote my book. People are like, oh, but your book is so short. I'm like, look, when you've got brain fog, I wrote my book to fit in a diaper bag and get to the point right away because moms don't have yeah. the time to be like, I have mastitis. Let me read all about that. They don't care. They're like, how do I fix this? When is it time to go to the doctor? It, because you are in that brain fog state. <laughs> it, it's funny. I'm, I'm laughing because Lana did develop a thyroid condition uh, after afterwards, and 
okay, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm an unlicensed biohacker. What do I know? You know, 20 years of running an anti-aging nonprofit group, but like really I, I'm not a clinician. I just know a lot of stuff and I'm an event correlator. So I said, Lana, you have a thyroid problem. She goes, yeah. I'm a doctor. I don't have a thyroid problem. I'm like, no, you have a thyroid problem. And it took like a year before she was like, I guess I'll get it checked. And she got it checked. They're like, you have no thyroid hormone. It's surprising you're walking around. I'm like, she's not walking around. She's laying around. Yeah. Right. So yeah. let's really hope she didn't hear this episode, right? No, but. I'll totally out myself. So it was my husband who actually... So here's the thing. It's really, <laughs> really? important uh, for people to understand. When you're living in your body, what I tell patients, it's like reading a book that's right up against your face. You need someone who can stand back, read those words for you. You know everything. You have all the information, but you're just too close to the source. And it was when I woke up at the breakfast table after falling asleep, after 15 hours of sleep. I slept 15 hours, mm-hmm. fell asleep at the breakfast table. My husband, you know, he wakes me up. He's like, you're sleeping all the time. Your hair's falling out, your skin is dry, like you have brain fog, you're depressed. I've never seen you depressed in my life. And as he listed it all to me, I was like, that's hypothyroidism. And I had seen several doctors, you know, naturopath, functional medicine, medical doctors, like, you know, trying to get help. Why do I feel like this? People were running in complete panels. People were brushing me off as being a mom. And that's what really launched me into this is like, okay, Nobody's talking about this, yet the American Thyroid Association has acknowledged these things for decades, and we're even seeing in the alternative and functional medicine and integrative space that we're lagging behind in terms of our knowledge around women's bodies as a whole, but how impactful just the birth of a child can be for a woman. And, you know, when when you look at the statistics, who's going to get autoimmune disease? It's women. The number one triggering event for most women is having a baby because once you deliver that baby, your hormones drop and then your immune system flips, your TH1 comes back online in full force, and then you go into poor eating habits, lots of stress, poor sleep habits. Is that a fault of you? No, 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 ladies. That's not your fault. That's really about society not not being set up. No, it's your husband's fault. Come on, let's... let's (laughs) See, but I don't actually think men... Like, if you just look at, like, men's role, evolutionarily speaking, and you look at everything, and when do men bond with babies, you know, it's like... It's it's more when they're toddlers, when it's time to take them out and show them into the world, and in the beginning, it's more of mom. There's all these roles that we've fulfilled, which, you know, I just say that modern motherhood is an evolutionary mismatch. Like, the entire human race would have gone extinct if we were ever meant to do this alone. Like, it's just impossible. So, so Lana and I actually think that the brain shrinkage for new moms is evolutionary because anyone who had their full brain would A, probably not choose to have kids when they knew it was going to be like that. And B, they'd be like, I'm so tired of holding this screaming thing that keeps waking me up. I'm going to leave it for the coyotes. Yeah. Um, no, we all love our babies. No one's really going to do that. But a thinking but person hard. with their whole we brain. We can be real like, with that. <laughs> like, there, is, there is a limit. Right? Yeah. And when your brain is smaller, you're like, okay, I can deal with this. And so, yeah. like I said, the hyper focus, the waking up all the time, even if you didn't before, because now, like, the slightest sound, oh, it's the baby. And you're like, how could that wake you up? Um, yeah. And they train you. It's what I call like the mom curve. Yeah. Where over, so after a year, if I test women's adrenals, they don't spike cortisol in the morning, they spike it at night. And it's, I call it the mom curve. It's always opposite. And every time I see it, I'm like, your baby trains you for their survival. Good job, baby. Now let's bring that back around. And you can recover that. You absolutely can. But again, you've got to do the work. All right. Let's talk about, so should people who have new babies, should they co-sleep? Like, should you put the baby in the bedroom, like attached to your bed? Should it be between the parents? Uh, I didn't do that because I'm like 200 plus pounds of solid muscle. Okay, 
Maybe. But I, uh, the New York Times said I was almost muscular. I'm still owning that one. What? But, oh, they no. totally did. Oh. oh I, no, I, I'm like, hey, people live the longest. They're almost muscular. You don't want sarcopenia, but if you're like a balloon animal, no offense, bodybuilders, I, I'm yeah. in awe of your skills. Um, it's probably not an anti-aging strategy. So, so my graduate research was in sarcopenic obesity and how we actually prevent that using uh, amino acids, namely branched-chain amino acids. So I love that you brought that up. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Like, that's totally, I love it that you studied that. So we could, uh, so I didn't want to put the baby in the bed because I'm a deep sleeper. I would roll mm-hmm. over and be like, there's something underneath me. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. So what do you think though for, for moms and for dads and for babies, do you put the baby in the room right there next to you? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's about what works for you and your family. It's the same thing with breastfeeding. You know, these things are very individualized choices. So, you know, if we stand back and we look at the lens of like, how did humans actually develop all before, you know, our environment rapidly changed? You know, in terms of that, we were all together. We were all co-sleeping. And and there has been great studies in terms of like hormones and decreasing stress. And, you know, moms tend to get more sleep when baby's right there because you just pull the baby over, breastfeed them and fall asleep. But if you have an adult in the bed who's a super deep sleeper or is on sleep medications or, you know, heaven forbid, is a drug or alcohol abuser, that baby's health is going to be compromised because that baby could be rolled over on. And new babies are super small. Like people think like, oh, I'll hear them. Mm, They're super tiny and not all of them are super noisy. And so, you know, really, um, I've had women that when baby is in the room, they can't sleep. They get no sleep whatsoever. And in those situations, it's like we've got to get baby outside the room because now they're starting to have anxiety and panic attack. And they're yeah. starting to feel these mood symptoms come up, which is, you know, something that we I want to prevent them needing, you know, to ever getting into that doctor's office saying, like, let's get you on anxiety medication or SSRI because that's not really the root cause. So, you know, that's why I frame it of like, yeah, it's great for mom and baby if you're both in the same bed, the same room. And until it isn't. And so, you know, that is something that you really have to reflect on from the individualized perspective of like, if it's disrupting your sleep, if it's creating anxiety, you know, if, you know, there's anything that's disruptive to, you know, the, the whole family dynamic, we really have to look at that and reframe what's most appropriate for your family. Does that make sense? It, it makes a lot of sense. So you're basically saying, you know, do what works, <laughs> but that, that there's a, that there's a, maybe a bias for having the baby there. Um, all right. So then there's another question that every new dad has been asking uh, since the dawn of time. Uh, and this, I'm just gonna have to go there. So how soon can I have sex with a new mom? Yeah. So we say wait until the six week checkup because at the six week checkup, that's when a woman's gonna, woman is going to be examined and we're going to look for things like infection, if there's still trauma. And that's con- what can really guide us because if like something's still going on with the cervix or we're, you know, we're having heavy bleeding. I mean, the thing is, is that when we get turned on as women, our, our uterus is going to shift a bit. Our, our vagina and uterus go through this whole change to accommodate a penis. And if we can't accommodate that penis, it can become very painful and uncomfortable. Now, prior to the six weeks, I am all for anything else you want to do besides vaginal penetration. And the reason for this, and I'm like, uh, you know, I actually got some flack because in my book, I'm like, you've got to explore your new terrain and you might want to (laughs) use toys and all this stuff. And, you know, there's always these people that are like, how dare you tell a new mom to have an orgasm? This is a mother. She's a saint. You can't do that to a mother. 
And here's the thing. I mean, all like all of us should be trying to have orgasms like one to two a week because we will live longer. Our DHEA and our oxytocin levels are going to be better. So if you want your wife to bond with you, pleasure her so that, you know, baby's bumping oxytocin, you're bumping oxytocin. Now she's swimming in bliss. But also we know that women who orgasm regularly, they have better immune system modulation overall. So their inflammatory markers are lower. So you've got a new mom, you want to prevent some postpartum depression. Now, of course, there's no research in this, but I would venture to guess that if you're having an orgasm once a week, you're going to have a better mood and better outcomes overall. There are definitely studies on on EQ in women, women who have more orgasms have higher emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some cool stuff there. Yeah, but in terms now, of postpartum depression, I don't know if we have that yet. Because everybody, like exactly what you said, people are like, oh, now suddenly you're a mom, we can't talk to you about sex. <laughs> well, well here, yeah, that's a problem. But okay, so here's the flip side of that. Okay, so six weeks is sort of the, the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. But how soon will it be until a new mom wants to have sex? Is it like five years <sighs> or, yeah. or seven? Oh, seven years? No. I'm just kidding. There are changes in libido. um, I'm like, that's horrible. If you don't want to have sex, you need to come see me because here's the thing. We are driven. So I don't care if you never, if you never want to have a baby, that's totally fine by me. But you should always be fertile and wanting to have a baby as long as you're in those, or wanting to have sex as long as you're in those fertile years because. It's a sign. It's a sign that you're going to live a long time. Yes. Sick animals don't want to have sex or reproduce, right? Yes. It's okay if you don't reproduce, but you at least should want to, you know. Yeah. Do the act. Right? And it's a big thing that gets dismissed in women's medicine. Like having an orgasm is this mythical unicorn and women aren't that interested in sex. But when you look at the research, we there are so many benefits. I mean, even if you want to have a fertile cycle as a female, it's harder to get there if you don't engage in regular. And really, it's better if you have a partner. But you can manually stimulate yourself as well and get there. And that can help get there in terms of orgasm. That can help with um, immune system and hormone modulation overall. But, you know, it's a big problem. So when when will moms want to have sex? Here's the thing. Foreplay for women is when you do the dishes, you take care of the kids, when you're doing these like, kind of acts of service. Oh, and by the way, that can be outsourced, just for guys. Like, it's okay yes. to have help doing those. You don't have to actually do it. They just have to be done. Mm-hmm. Like, having an empty sink is, is foreplay. It doesn't have to be that you did it, unless your wife is mean, in which case, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different kind of doctor. Um, exactly. But, you know, the the deal is, is that I will see women who will say, I just had this patient that she hasn't been interested in sex in three years since having her child. And so, you know, we're working on a lot of the hormone balancing. We're working on all of that. Like, everything's good in a relationship. She's like, my husband actually does take care of stuff. And I really, you know, I do appreciate that. But she's a she has a propensity towards anxiety. And so, you know, women are usually, this is the thing I got to say, is that in modern medicine, um, these women get, like, basically a diagnosis for things that are normal behavior. Like, the, the behavior like making sure everyone is taken care of is why the tribe survived. But now because we don't have that tribe, it's seen as like this neurotic, you know, bad behavior. So, you know, when a woman want to have uh, sex is really going to depend. There's so many variables on that. But if it's not coming back after the first three months, like any inkling of that, then I want to know about it. Then we need to start talking about it and investigating what's going on because we could also have nerve damage and trauma to the pelvic floor. And if that's happening, I don't want I don't want a woman waiting six years before someone intervenes. Let's get some pelvic floor physical therapy going, which, you know, in France and some of these other countries, 
that's just par for the course. If you have a baby, you're getting prescribed a dozen like pelvic floor rehab uh, sessions because they know and understand that uterine prolapse and these problems we see in women in their 60s are actually a result of women in their 20s and 30s giving birth and not being cared for appropriately. There's another thing that, that's less talked about, and I want to get your take on this. Uh, when, when a woman has a baby, and to a certain extent, even a father, but it tends to affect women more, um, if the woman experienced extreme stress, or the man did, at that same age, you can get like PTSD symptoms that arise that come seemingly out of nowhere. So if you know, the, the mom or the dad was abandoned, abused, uh, dropped... Uh, you know, something bad happened, parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. uh, even like a year later, like, oh, well, my kid's 12 months old, all of a sudden I just went bonkers, Yeah. right? And, and this can actually be not just hormonal, it can actually be psychological. And it, it's, it's not psychological like, oh, you didn't think about it, you didn't want it. It's mm -hmm. that your body just sees a baby that age and it remembers what you were like at that age and it's like imminent death. And then yeah. you, you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm gonna die and I don't know why. Uh, do you see that a lot? I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, if you ever wanted to exponentially work on yourself and like, have a baby, because they seriously reflect everything back to you. I mean, especially once they can start parroting. And when you hear things and you're like, I don't like the way that came out of that child's mouth. Oh, that's because it's coming out of my mouth. And now I've got to reexamine that. What we do a lot, like this gets onto the mind, body, and even spiritual level with things, is we do like sorting the buckets where when you start to feel those emotions come up, you need to ask, is this mine or is this theirs? Like, like is this is this baby stuff? Is this warranted that I freak out about this, or is this my stuff? And then to do the like unthinkable thing, but actually sit with your discomfort, to sit with your pain, and try to understand and work through where that's coming from. If it's significant enough, that's when you know definitely I don't hesitate in these situations to bring on ally mental health workers. Certainly not people who you know reflexively prescribe drugs. The people who get that like there are past traumas, there are things that. We can't even understand. Maybe it happened as a, as a child. Maybe this was something happening in utero. Maybe this is something like as we know, you know, for instance, that we know from studies of like Holocaust survivors and their family lineage and what happens yeah. with them. It's entirely possible that we actually have to go back and heal that female lineage of all the moms who gave yeah. birth, which is, you know, first you got to heal your body. Then you got to work on your mind and yourself. And then you've got to go back and do that big, big level Hold work. Hold on a second. You're, you're like a, a now naturopath, you're a scientist. Did you just say heal the lineage? How can you say that? Shame. All right. So Alberto Viotto has been on the show, a, a, a well-known shaman. I've done his training in ayahuasca. Yes. Uh, and I'll even tell you, I've had people do deep forgiveness work at 40 years of Zen, the neurofeedback thing. Yeah. And yet, yeah. strangely, their estranged mother will call them that same day. I, yeah. I can't explain that. It just happens. Uh, but yeah, there, there is like family line healing, whether it's just perceived by you, but it, it, it is healing. And yeah. I, I've just got to plug uh, EMDR is a very powerful thing for, mm -hmm. for either moms or dads who are just wigged out by this, uh, by pregnancy and just stuff, stuff you wouldn't think would happen afterwards. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a very fast form of therapy where you move your eyes kind of to reset mode. And neurofeedback is, has been, for Lana and me, a, a really big thing. Yeah. All right. I want to shift gears a bit from the, uh, from the pregnancy side of things mm -hmm. uh, to talk about what happens before pregnancy. Let's talk birth control. Yeah. I, I wrote a blog post about this a while back. Where I'm like, look, the pill is just bad for you. Like, if you care about the woman in your life, tell her to get off the pill. It's mm -hmm. that straightforward. And 
uh, I took a lot of flack for that. Like, well, you can't tell you to get pregnant. I'm like, I'm not telling you to get pregnant. I'm not telling you to not be cautious. I'm telling you maybe know when you're when you're fertile and not. Yeah. Um, but but like like the downside is is just so extreme. Uh, what is your take? on on the pill and granted i just maybe like stacked what you're going to say about it but you know yeah yeah to, no no you think. <clears throat> yeah so let's just acknowledge this there are some women who absolutely cannot get pregnant and the only way they know how to avoid that is with the birth control pill i actually spent um many years working in a homeless youth clinic so basically harm reduction was the name of yeah. the game here and that's absolutely that's where i see it is like you know i i was a woman i was on the pill for over 10 years wish i would have known what i know now but it's something when i look back of like like, okay, I'm a first-generation college student. I became a doctor. I was the first woman in my family not to get pregnant before age 19. Hallelujah, I had the pill so I could be where I'm at, where yeah. I am, you know, today. So, you know, we just want to, I just want to acknowledge, I'm not going to shame anybody if you're like, I've got to stay on this pill. But let's, let's really, you know, dive into what doctors are not telling you. Because there's a whole lot that we've known for decades that really nobody's talking about. And we're not, we're not seeing women really getting the true parkeo. And um, to what that is for people is that before your doctor prescribes you anything, they should do a true informed consent, which is here's all the pros, here's all the cons, here's how it applies to you. And really then it should go into your court. Okay, what do you want to do about it? Unfortunately, what we were we are seeing, you know, of the like 100 million women worldwide who have taken the pill, about 60% of them are only taking it for symptoms, which is a huge red flag to me. I mean, if only 40% are taking the pill to prevent pregnancy, then what's up with this other 60%? And why are we not practicing root cause resolution, which we could absolutely do, you know, and just being, you know, giving women a pill? To me, this is a huge disservice in women's medicine. And I really want this to be clear because the second we start talking about this, like I've had people call me the anti-Margaret Sanger and say, you're not a feminist. You don't look out for women. And I'm not about that at all. Like at the end of the day, I want you to make the decision that's best for you. I don't want it to be anyone else's decision. I want you to be confident that you got the information that you needed. And if you choose to take the pill, I've got your back. And if you choose to come off the pill, it's going to be hell. We can talk about post-birth control syndrome, but I've totally got your back in that as well. So, you know, what is the pill doing at like big level? Like, let's just take yep. a, like a big overview. So it's definitely causing leaky gut. So that daily bolus of estrogen, it's inducing leaky gut. It's skewing your microbiome. It's causing estrogen dominance. Um, hello, your brain, your heart. Nobody's going to be happy about that. Um, it's disrupting thyroid hormone on every level. And so when you think about women in their 30s are five to eight times more likely to be, you know, develop a thyroid condition and then you compound the pill on top of it like we're we're really raising risk factors here we know that it turns on certain autoimmune diseases so there was actually a study several years ago that came out and said if a woman's on the pill has a family history of Crohn's disease, then, you know, after five years, she has a 300% increased risk of turning on that autoimmunity. Those researchers then said, we should be at least asking about family history, if not genetically testing women before we start them on the pill. And, you know, as, as we all know, okay, that research study was about five years ago. It's going to be 12 years before conventional medicine even acknowledges this. And to me, as a woman, you know, when I think about my sister, my mother, my friends, like I'm not about to stand around for 12 years and allow countless numbers of women to be basically mishandled, mistreated, and not to mention dismissed when their symptoms like, 
like, you know, depression and anxiety crop up and they're on the pill. I mean, we just saw a study with over a million women that we saw, oh yeah, there's an increased risk with depression on the birth control pill. And how quick was, I mean, NPR was one of them. So quick to dismiss that. So quick to dismiss it. But in this, you know, it's really crazy to me. So there's this well-acknowledged medical gender bias when it comes to the birth control pill. So for instance, in the same quarter that um, the birth control trial for men was stopped because less than 5% of them were having depression, a new IUD was released that was noting about over 20% depression in women. Women were leaving the trial because of depression. The male study was stopped, even though the efficacy was great. And the men in the trial were like, it's not so bad. We actually have increase in libido and we're a little bit sad, but we've got increase in libido. Um, But, you know, they stopped the trial saying that like less than 5% was completely unreasonable for men, but then released an IUD with over 20% showing depression rates and deemed that completely acceptable for women. What does this really come down to? At the end of the day, who carries the burden of pregnancy and has to be avoiding it? It's women. And so, you know, they know they kind of got us with that. I mean, not to be like there's a big conspiracy, but they've they've got us with that. Uh, one of the other really scary things about the pill uh, that I've talked about a few times is that, uh, in fact, in Headstrong, in my new book on mitochondria, I mentioned this weird fact. There's 100,000 mitochondria per cell in the ovaries. Mm-hmm. And men, we, we tap out at 15,000, and women and men in our brain have about 15,000 mitochondria, these little power plants. And in the rest of our body, it's you know, 1,000, 2,000 or less. So, but like, and your heart has a lot too. So, so you do this, but why do women have that many mitochondria there? It's because they sense the environment around you very carefully. Yeah. And there's a reason that your man smells sexy to you. And it's because your mitochondria, these ancient bacteria, are finding another petri dish for them. Yeah. Like they're bacteria that want to reproduce. When you're on the pill, it messes with your mitochondria. So yeah. they will, it'll change how your man smells. And mm-hmm. there, are, there are people out there, and this is shown in studies, where they, they fall in love, they get together, they're sexually compatible. The woman's been on the pill the entire time. And the way the man smells, smells good to her because yeah. she's on the pill. She goes off the pill, and then all of a sudden, like her physical attractiveness to him goes away because he's not biologically compatible with her. They're not going to have healthy babies. And her mitochondria knew it even if she didn't. And like, this is something that happens. I, I'm like, before you get married, go off the pill. Absolutely. <laughs> Just to see, to see if you're still attracted to I each mean, other. I mean, so this is what like blows my mind is like, I really am questioning the long-term impact of the pill in ways that we're not even looking at it yet. I mean, we have seen when the pill was introduced, we see our rises in autoimmunity and autism, all of these things at the same time we were seeing, you know, the hygiene hypothesis, our food was changing. So it's, we know all of these factors are definitely multifactorial. But what's really interesting to me is that if you look at these studies, when you're on the pill, you're attracted to who's genetically like your cousin. You're basically attracted to your cousin. It's kind of gross and weird. I know when I say that. But you, uh, so when you're attracted to your cousin, what does that mean for your baby? That means that your baby's not getting genetic diversity. And in that, their MHC complex, which this is the whole mechanism on the cell of like how we get autoimmunity, how we fight viruses, bacteria, it's not as robust. It's more fragile. It's more likely to create autoimmunity. And so like, can I say there's research showing this? No, but we can start to think about it and frame, you know, what is this impact that it's having on the human race overall? We know that 
the pill actually changes the genes in in the liver to forever have a woman create more sex hormone binding globulin. That means her libido is going to be lower. And, you know, okay, libido is going to be lower. That's a problem. But not enough testosterone and our brain and our heart and our bones, they're going as well. Anecdotally, I know my husband for, I knew my husband for like a decade We went to community college together. I was on the pill the whole time. And then we met back up in Portland. Randomly one day, he's like, uh, this is back when I drank beer. He was like, hey, I bought a green army tent. Do you want to come drink beer with me in an army tent? I was like, sure, why not? That sounds fun. (laughs) Um, This is totally me in the college days. I was off the pill. I meet up with him. And suddenly, I am so attracted to this guy. And I was somebody who was like, I'm never having a baby. I never want to have a baby. I'm okay not having a baby. After I met him and being with him, I was like, I have to have a baby. Like the biology (laughs) was so profound. And it's like, yeah, that's totally anecdotal. But I've had enough patients say the same thing to me. Like I got and and I, you know, make these jokes is the pill to blame for your bad boyfriend. Like, why? Why are we with you choosing the men that we're choosing? But if we think about that, you know, it's it's just like. How are we actually impacting the genetic lineage of the human race in women who are flooded with these pills? I mean, we're not talking like a handful of women right now in America. It's about 11 million women who are on this pill. That's not a trivial number by any means. It, it's, uh, it, this is an important episode of Bulletproof Radio because a lot of people don't talk about that. <laughs> Let's also talk about uh, the post-birth control syndrome. So what happens when a woman goes off of the birth control pill? Like, what, yeah. what should she expect? Well, she should expect whatever symptoms she had that made her stop the pill. So, ladies, if you had acne, if you had PMS symptoms, if you had heavy periods, lots of cramps, even mood symptoms that were cyclical, we can expect those things to come back full force. And this is how I explain it. It's not your body rebelling against you. If you think about if you had something really important to say for like five years, 10 years, you know, however long you're on the pill, finally you get the opportunity to say it. Like your body's screaming. Like I wanted you to know about this all along. So that's one thing that we'll see. We'll also see what's called post-pill amenorrhea. Now here's a big one that doctors don't tell women and this one is a huge disservice. So what's the number one uh, non-birth control related uh, reason to prescribe the pill? And irregular menstrual cycle. So the doctor tells the story like this. You're not having your period. We can help you have your period naturally by using this pill. No, sorry, doctor. You are flooding that woman's brain and overriding her pituitary and then withdrawing that drug so that her endometrium sloughs off. They just bails. Endometrium bails. Now we have a period. There's nothing natural about this. But, you know, with all of that being said, with the PCOS piece, We know that, or excuse me, the irregular periods, we know that can often be due to PCOS. And PCOS is a metabolic disorder. So now you put a woman on the pill, you you mask the hormone symptoms, and then what do you do? You let her go for like 10 to 20 years with a heart disease and diabetes developing and nobody's putting that together. Never mind the pill is inflammatory, making her more insulin resistant and depleting Mm -hmm. nutrients. I mean, there's a huge problem here. But when a doctor prescribes a pill for irregular periods, the research tells us that about 30% of those women will be rendered infertile when they stop that pill. So we're talking almost 40% of women will never see their pill come back. And what breaks my heart is that I got to be the doctor to tell them this. And they come into my practice and say, I really wish my doctor would have just told me this. I was 15. I was 16. I was, you know, some of these gals are 12 and they're being told, 
I get patients in their 50s. They've been on the pill since they were 12, and their doctor's like, oh, you should just stay on the pill. It's better than that bioidentical stuff anyways. And I'm like, wow, do you, have they talked to you about your stroke risk, about your risk for a heart attack? I mean, since the 80s, women have been dying from heart attacks at higher rates than men. This pill is inflammatory. It's inducing um, you know, immune system chaos. Like This is a perfect recipe for having a cardiovascular event. Not to mention, can we like just do some long-term studies of what we're doing to women's brain on this? All right, that was an awesome rant. I want to <laughs> Sorry, I'm like no, no, no. It was, you know, this was is like compliment. my jam no, right now. <laughs> you you needed to rant on that. That I mean, I couldn't have put it better myself. And that's why I'm like, just get off the pill, right? And it's really weird. Um, I've been in relationships because I've known this for a long time because of the anti aging work I do. I've mm-hmm. been in relationships before I was with Lana, and, and I'm like, no, really, get off the pill. And, and like, what are you trying to do? get me pregnant? I'm like. Trust me, no. <laughs> I, it's I don't harder want, to get pregnant than you that. think. I get women all the time that are like, yeah. I would have never taken the pill if I realized that like, I only have this six-day window yeah. to get pregnant every month. Exactly. And it, the rest of the time, it's pretty safe, especially if you're in a monogamous relationship. You're not going to get any weird diseases that way. And, and it's, it's one of those things where I, it was always a little awkward because normally it's the other way around. Like, go on the pill, go on the pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does require a higher level of, of awareness. But if you care about the woman that you're with and, you know, she's not aware of this stuff, it's, it's important. Because if you care about them, you want them to have, like, functioning biology. You want them to live a long time uh, and to have enough testosterone, enough of the other hormones. And if you're a guy and the woman you're with doesn't have enough testosterone, you're not going to like it. Because when women have enough testosterone, they have great libido. Mm-hmm. And when they don't have enough testosterone, um, they just don't care about sex. And they uh, cry is, all the time, which is not yeah, fun. <laughs> it's totally not fun. You have to like schedule your business trips when they're going to be crying. It's so much work. No, I'm, I'm totally yeah, for your outsourcing to your personal assistant, it's so much work. <laughs> um, all right. So I, I, now people have to be asking, okay, if I'm not going to start the pill or I'm going to go off the pill, what is the best, most biologically compatible form of birth control? Yeah. So I am a huge fan of fertility awareness method. And it's actually like <laughs> everybody, you, you know, you're taught, I went to naturopathic medical school. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're like, you don't ever teach that. That's a big no, no. So I had to go dive into the research and look at this because fertility awareness methods, what I've been using, I never it's tell cool. people. Yeah. But I tell people, you know, don't do what your doctor does or what your friend does. You got to do what works for you. I use this really cool piece of technology called Daisy, and it's just a thermometer that I put in my mouth, but it's super high tech. So every morning I wake up, I put this in, green light, go, you know, red light, no, like we've got all of these color codes and everything. So it takes, you know, back in the day, women would track fertility awareness method being like, my temperature, cervical mucus, all of this, write it on a chart, draw a graph. Now, because Daisy actually compares it to the hundreds of thousands of women that are in their system, it was amazing. Within my first month, it caught it caught my period right away and it knew everything, even though I wasn't so good at temping every single day because I was developing a new habit, a new skill, but it caught all of that. So this is one that I'm like, ladies, if you just want to take a back seat to all of this and you're like, I want to know more about my body, but I don't want to do all that charting and, and I don't even own pencils. I mean, I don't, I just can't imagine doing that level of charting. I'm like, if it doesn't what, live on... What's a pencil? That's I like know. a fax machine, right? I know it is. Somebody actually said the other day, can I send you a fax? And I was like, people still do that? We have electronic fax. I'm a, my practice is 100% paperless practice, and we're a, we're a high-tech company, so... There, there, there's a perfect answer. Someone says, can I send you a fax? Like, if I can respond with an 8-track, and, and that usually ends it. 
That's right. so but good. Sorry, complete diversion <laughs> from what you were saying there around pencils and tracking. Totally. So, yeah. So, but, I mean, you can use, there's so there's all these technologies. You know, in Sweden now, they're like, this, so in the U.S., they're still like, no, 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 that's not birth control. In Sweden, they're like, yeah. These like Lady Comp, which is what Daisy came from, these are these little technology pieces, they are considered birth control in other countries that, you know, don't have as much of a pharmaceutical interest, I, I'm guessing with that. Um, but, you know, there is so much data that you can bring to your doctor. I mean, us knowing when you're ovulating, us knowing whether or not you ovulated, when your period comes, like if you are on the pill, you are missing out on tons of data. I am a data driven lady. Like my background was, you know, I was a, you know, uh, nutritional biochemist before I was ever a naturopathic doctor working in recombinant DNA technology so like super nerdy I'm only data driven person that's why like biohackers may practice in the mm-hmm. Bay Area I love them because they get oh. it <laughs> by, by the way a side thing but it's related to this do you know about Viome? Viome? Uh, v- I don't think so V-I-O-M-E a brand new startup I'm on their advisory board yeah. Jane Jane uh, who's like one of the billionaire like he's actually running a company that does uh, a moon, uh, mining of the moon Kind yeah. of guys like, like the Elon Musk crowd. Um, what they're doing is they're looking at RNA four times a year from your poop. So Ooh, they can wow. tell you fungal, bacterial, very species specific, yeah. viral, even bacteriophage that's going on and full metabolic function. Wow. And so if and it's all going through an AI system. So if you're into that kind of stuff, yeah, Viome yeah. is totally up your alley. They, they just launched. And by the way, if you're listening to this stuff, you want to be like to the front of the line because there's a waiting list. You can use code bulletproof. And I think I'm not going to promise this because I don't know when you're going to hear this episode, but he has some copies of Headstrong that he's sharing with some people. Um, I think if you use the code, you might get one, but I'm not promising. But uh, <laughs> anyway, you would like Viome because it's it's so quantitative yeah, and it, yeah. it ties right in. You could probably see a before and after of the pill, what it does to your gut bacteria. Oh, yeah when you did something like that because you're getting four tests a year. Yeah, but- I'm super into that because we do we do before and after. So for instance, one marker is fibrinogen and we see, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, fibrinogen on the pill. Um, I've had women where I'm like, you need to get off this pill right away because I'm actually like, and I want you over to the cardiologist because inflammatory yeah. markers, fibrinogen is that like, we're seeing things that are really unfavorable. Then like, we, we just need to get an ultrasound. We need to like, look up and look at everything, make sure that everything is working the way it ought to. But then you stop the pill and you see the levels just start coming down. They just, start coming down and so you know uh, back to what I was saying about the data you know uh, when it comes to hormone testing, like, I've, you know, we've got our ways we like to test hormones, but they're not all super accurate. And it depends on, you know, what's going on. But what is really helpful is what a woman reports in her body. So what are days one through three of your period looking like? Are you, you know, amped up for sex around day 10 the way you should be? Because, you know, we should spike testosterone and then that makes us want to have sex so that we capture sperm. Yes, ladies, you actually capture and quarantine that sperm. So when you release an egg, it's there, it's sitting around for you. You know, um, are we seeing fertile cervical mucus? What's going on a week before your period, day 21 to 28? Like all of this information that's been, you know, that a woman can provide to a doctor can really help us get dialed in, not only on hormones, but on our overall health. And that's, you know, one thing I really like about fertility awareness method, women not being on the pill and being able to track these things is that you can get so in tuned with your body that you don't need a doctor to tell you your progesterone's probably dropping and your stress is high. I mean, that's what we do in my clinic is we want to educate our patients so well they don't need their doctor for things like 
colds and flus and like, oh, you got stressed. Like things that we used to go to our moms and grandmas for, like somehow we fell off the beaten path when, you know, suddenly it was like doctor is gatekeeper of health and you can never have health without a doctor. I just fully reject that because the, you know, stuff that keeps you out of my office, it's not sexy or anything, but it's the basic stuff of eat right, exercise, wear your blue blocker glasses, keep your stress down. Like all of those things that like we take for granted on a day-to-day basis, but it's really what you do every day that has that profound effect. And as I like to say, you know, you can't out supplement a bad diet and lifestyle. Like you just can't out supplement or out medicate it. And that's why pharmaceuticals don't work a lot of the time, because when you try to strong arm the body, like the body's going to push back because all your body wants to do is survive more than anything. The the fertility awareness method is, is pretty profound because in addition to if you're a woman, you start, you start tracking this you realize that there are times of the month, not when you're necessarily uh, ovulating uh, or bleeding or anything like that, where your cognitive and mental performance and your emotions are not going to be where they are. When you, you know the days when you're most powerful. You know the days when you are going to be most aroused. And just just knowing that, like, wow, like I wanted to run a marathon today and it was totally the wrong time and my score sucked. Or I had a really big board meeting today and I know that I'm completely not where I'm gonna be, so I'm seriously taking some modafinil today, otherwise I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna get the venture funding I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right? You you can you can account for and you can counteract uh, periods where you're not gonna be see what I just did there? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> period <laughs> periods didn't mean to do that, but periods where you're gonna be uh, uh, really uh, either at your best or not at your best for what you want to be doing that day. And, and if you know it's coming and you know that it's normal, then you don't feel like you're weak or crazy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, or maybe I'm just going to have some extra coffee. Like whatever it's going to take. Like it's okay yeah. that today like I should just get a massage and like chill and I'm going to schedule that if I can. Like that's precious knowledge about just controlling your biology and letting it do what it wants to do. So I And to I give that permission. That. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I really appreciate that you just gave permission that it's okay if you have an extra cup of coffee today. Like, you know, I have women that the day before they start their period, they're like, I am flatlined fatigued and yeah, sure we're working on this stuff. Can we just <laughs> acknowledge for a second that natural therapies take months to I mean, so Vitex is one for example. Every woman will come in and say I tried Vitex for like a couple weeks. Eh. It's got to take a so chase tree berry. It's something that's used. um, It stimulates the LH production in the brain to help stimulate the ovaries to make progesterone. So you know, let's just frame it from okay. Like let's say you're an executive and you're going to go into like a really stressful meeting, and you know this is happening like day seven through ten of your cycle, and you're not sleeping and you're so stressed out. You might actually suppress ovulation that cycle. That might happen. That's okay if that happens because that's what nature intends. Oh, the environment's stressful. Don't make a baby. Fantastic. That's very protective. But then you might need a little more progesterone support because as you get into that luteal phase, if you didn't ovulate, the corpus luteum isn't pumping out. I mean, the corpus luteum is like takes its job of making progesterone very seriously. And so it pumps it out like crazy, especially once you get pregnant. But if that's not there, we're not going to see as much progesterone. If you don't have the progesterone, GABA doesn't stimulate the brain, make you feel chilled on and calm. Now you're flying off the handle. I like to ask women, do you A, want to kill somebody, B, run away to the woods and never be seen, or C, do all of the above 
the week before your period. And so that's very real when progesterone gets low. I always tell women, you get to say it's your hormones. Your husband doesn't get to say it's your hormones. But let's say you're going to have that really stressful meeting in that follicular phase, in that early part of your cycle. You can start to tend to your progesterone levels. How can we do that? Vitamin C, Vitex can be great community. Women who spend time around their friends actually have better progesterone levels. Sex. Maybe you need to have more sex around that day 14 to help get those progesterone. And so when you can understand your cycle in this way, you can see how one event actually impacted what's going on two weeks from now. And you can really biohack the system and really Mm -hmm. get in there and say, okay, so because of this event, now I'm going to do X, Y, and Z so that I don't feel like I'm losing my mind the second half of the month. Does that, is that all making sense? (laughs) Uh, it's making sense. It's a huge amount of info. And by the way, there will be a transcript for all this. So that was a lot of info. So if you go to the Bulletproof website, um, we have a transcript for all of these episodes. And uh, there's a lot there. One of the other things that I think is worth saying is that if you get even some of that level of understanding and knowledge, it's oftentimes, especially if you're, you know, you're under 30, it's probably, there's still some vestiges of grossness from seventh grade. They were like, I'm not going to share this with my partner. Here's the deal. The guy in your life probably wants to know when you're going to be really horny. And he probably wants to know when you're going to be like super emotional so you can like go out with the guys uh, or, or be extra supportive, whatever the heck, mm-hmm. right? But, but the bottom line is, is that just sharing like, hey, this is going on right now can really help a relationship. Right, because then it's like, oh, this is just biology. We can manage this, and then also, then I know it's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Right, like if if it's a like emotional low energy period, or like just bring lots of chocolate, it'll be fine. What whatever, right? Yeah, I just I find that open communication there can really take what looks like crazy behavior to guys who mm-hmm. do have a monthly cycle, but it's so small, it just doesn't really matter for the most part. Um, it, it can look like crazy behavior and it's not. And mm-hmm. so you're like, okay, this is what's going on here. And so like, yeah, I'm taking a bath today and just like chill. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's, it's just, it's just healthy relationship management. At that and point. you know, we just got to say as women, you have to, you have to communicate your needs to men. Like it's, it's, it's just this big slippery slope, right? Where we're like, I need this, but you're not saying that to him. So ladies, you've got to tell the men now, Guys who are listening, if it's getting close to the new moon or the full moon and your your lady is starting to get cranky, odds are her period's coming. And this is another thing about the pill is that you have these arbitrary cycles. But when you're off the pill, as women, we are synced with the rhythms of the earth and like the moon cycles, the ocean cycles. Like and and now we know, you know, even our organs are on um, biological clocks and, and, you know, they've got their own cycles. And so this is something I'm like. I I was just uh, reading this information about how cows all line up with the polarity of the earth. I don't know if you've heard this, unless they're under power lines. And this has me being like, ladies, get those EMFs out. If the cows are being affected by this with how they line up on the polarity of the earth, as humans, we are we are just mammals like the rest of them. If if animals are sus- like feeling sensitive to this, we're sensitive to this. But it really has me questioning. Like n- nobody sta- stood back and said, "Hey, before we introduce all these EMFs and bathe all of these people in it, like maybe we might just want to ask what's going on here." Um, so that's yeah. just something else, you know, the, another thing Here's- to throw into play. <laughs> years ago, she's uh, almost twenty years ago. I had coffee in Mountain View with the guy who holds the first patent on 802.11 Wi-Fi, the very first Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And this is this kind of grizzled engineer beard, a uh, super Silicon Valley engineering type. And he goes, you know, I took the million dollar equipment we used for measuring our 
our Wi-Fi things and I turned it around and I aimed it at myself and oh my God, there's all this data coming off the body and he turns his laptop around. He goes, look, like here's the data that's coming off of my body, at least when I was running the, these yeah, signals. Yeah. And there's diagnostic information in here. Like, like this, is, this is amazing. And like we've known in little pockets for a long time that mm -hmm. it's not just about whether we're cooking ourselves or not. And that's why in Headstrong, I'm like, here's the evidence that it destroys mitochondrial function. It doesn't kill yeah. you. It doesn't cook you. It just makes you able to make and use less power. And mm -hmm. that affects your hormones because your mitochondria make your hormones. So like yeah. if you're listening to this show, even if you're a little skeptical, here's the deal. You're not surfing the web when you're asleep. Turn off your Wi-Fi at night. Like it, it's that easy and you yeah. can go deeper than that. Like I, we, we have all the power physically disconnected in our bedroom with a remote control switch, mm -hmm. right? But you don't have to do that. Yeah. So, so I, I interesting about the mitochondria. Like if we just frame back, what is, what is the female lineage that gets passed on to baby? <laughs> it's, it's all mitochondria. It's your mitochondria and your microbiome. And what is the pill hitting? Your mitochondria and your microbiome. How can we think mm -hmm. we can build superhumans, like a superhuman race, when we've been medicating our women for decades? I mean, if we want to ensure that the human race is at the top of the food chain and survives, and we should all have a vested interest in that, I would argue, then we have to be taking care of our current mothers and our future mothers like these are not only the women who are going to I mean mom is the seed and the soil so you're going in and this is like where reproductive endocrinology gets really short-sighted like you don't take heirloom seeds and throw them in any soil and expect them to grow why would we do this with humans as well but beyond growing that human mom's going to be providing the food for that human and then she's going to be the caretaker the primary caretaker for that baby's life so you know to me, like when you go messing with the mitochondria, it's like you're just want you're you're just praying for the extinction of the human race. Like this is not something we should take lightly or be messing with. And it's something where, you know, when you hear the um when the research, you know, when you hear the research about how antibiotics actually affect the mitochondria, and what you were saying is so interesting, you know, about the the ovaries are rich in mitochondria. Well, why are we seeing more women infertile? Like, let's just acknowledge that for <laughs> decades, we knew that like polar bears were having trouble breeding and that if animals, so in animal science, they knew that these BPA filled tanks at the zoo were rendering animals infertile. We knew that before we ever started seeing it in humans, but then compound the environmental stuff with the fact that like, I mean, I know me kid of the eighties, how many antibiotics did I get? Like, you know, your mitochondria are a bacterial lineage. They're susceptible yes. to these antibiotics. So ladies, if you, and, and gentlemen, but either way, if you're thinking about getting pregnant, if you ever want to have a baby, you've got to start loving on your mitochondria, loving on your microbiome. And really you've got to be very cautious with using these antibiotics. I mean, Hey, there's a time and a place and I love them more when we need them, but the majority of time we're using them when we don't need them. In fact, uh, in Headstrong, I published a list of medications, a lot of prescription medications, in yeah. particular antibiotics, cause damage to mitochondria. I'm looking at me, I took antibiotics every month for 15 years for sinusitis and strep throat, and I, my mitochondria are pretty darn strong now, but they still have issues from that, mm -hmm. right? And, and they're strong because I managed the crap out of them. Yeah, and, right, and, you do the work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You've got to do yeah. the work. <laughs> you, you do. 
Now, speaking of mitochondria, uh, we're, we're running up on the end of the show, but I promised people that we talk about your traumatic brain injury. I had oh, one yeah. last year that was pretty, pretty substantial. So we share that in common. So what happened to your brain? Yeah. Um, so this happened on the winter solstice, which is my son's birthday. I feel like if things happen, if you're going about life and you literally get your knocked, your feet knocked out from you and you hit your head on the winter solstice, like you are supposed to wake up to something. So <laughs> I'm like still seeing this as very much a blessing. I took my son to a safe sledding hill. Um, so snow sledding on these giant inner tubes where you go one at a time, except I forgot about the frontal lobe of teenagers not being intact to be able to monitor that hill. So teenager watching the hill lets someone go right after me. I stand up. I'm only barely 5'5", five five, so this inner tube hits the back of my knees. My husband sees this. I fly up and over the inner tube, and I land on my right occiput first. Uh roll down. I'm passed out. I wake up. I'm blind. Can't see for like 10 minutes. Um, all I'm screaming is stabilized C-spine through all of this. <laughs> so through all of this. The, Such a doctor. <laughs> it's so crazy. So I never lost, I never lost the medicine. And it's, it's just, uh, my neurologist is fascinated by this, but so I actually, so the group that we're in, the Facebook group, I was like, I knew JJ's, you know, her son had gone through that yeah. traumatic brain injury. And I was like, she has an entire plethora of people she's brought together that know this. So on the way to the hospital is when I got on Facebook and I was like, I need help, guys. Call to action to the tribe because I knew it was going to go. Like, I was going to be dark. By the time I got to the hospital, I didn't know my last name. I didn't know any wow. numbers. Like, But when they tried to do a chest x-ray on me for, a, a, you know, they thought my uh, clavicle was fractured. I was like, you didn't do the orthopedic examination. And actually, I want a CT. A da -da -da. And my husband was busting up laughing because he's like, you didn't know, like, you didn't, like, they had me in the system from when I was a baby. Like, I was born at this hospital. I didn't know who that person was they were talking about. But I knew that I needed, like, what imaging I needed and, like, that a muscle relaxer was going to help well, me more. You, you, you know why that happened, right? Because my poor little brain was, well, you mean in terms of, like, why I didn't lose the medicine? What? Yeah. Because <laughs> I had to survive. <laughs> it was because you had to survive. It's also because you practiced it so much. that we, it, It's the same thing they do in, in the special forces. Yeah. Um, you uh, you practice so much that when you're in the mode where you don't have your prefrontal cortex because you're in fight or flight mode, you can still default to training. Yeah. Right? Well, and there that's what it is. Did. Yeah. And yeah. I have to say, to your credit, so I was like, I don't even know if you remember this. I was debating the progesterone therapy, and you came in online and you were like, "Do the progesterone therapy?" <laughs> totally. And I did. And this crazy thing. So uh, for everyone listening, day twenty-one is about when progesterone spikes in a woman's cycle. We actually tracked this. I was on high dose progesterone therapy, total game changer. Love that stuff. I mean, I was, my brain protocol is like gangbusters and I've actually been using it in some neurological lupus patients who are now walking yeah. and like, I mean, total gain. So I had to go through this to test it on myself to be like, I'm okay with 30 grams of fish oil. Someone taking that every day. Yeah. So, um, but I did the progesterone therapy and on day 21, every time on my cycle, I had greater gains and I woke up more and um, what was interesting is that in, in my moments that I was awake, I actually um, had to come back to the, the, I was writing people messages about this. I don't even remember. I actually got my progesterone dose by pulling rat studies because the first uh, human clinical trial <laughs> had failed. And I pulled rat studies calculated based on my body weight and then was like, this is the prescription I want. What were... Um, uh, just for listeners, what we're talking about with progesterone is it's a new treatment that JJ Virgin talked about quite a bit in, in her most recent book, 
uh, and something that I did after my TBI as well, which is that as soon as you get hit in the head, you go on high dose progesterone mm-hmm. as an anti-inflammatory. So I literally like as soon as like I hit in the head, I, I was like, Lana, give me your progesterone. <laughs> I'm like popping her progesterone pills. Yeah. And it, it's totally a good strategy. You might want to go with a doctor. Oh, wait, my wife is a doctor. So there you go. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting is that if you start to look at some of the studies that are out there, granted, we, we definitely need more. But if you're a woman and you get hit in the head, like in your follicular phase, so, you know, you're on your period or you're in the first half of your cycle, the next month you, you actually recover better. You have less deficits. But... If you're a woman, and they did this in soccer players, you get hit in the head because they're always hitting their head on stuff. But don't do that, for the record. This doctor says don't do that. Yeah, stop Um, heading. Stop doing that. Um, But if they were in their luteal phase, because of the drop of progesterone, which naturally happens to trigger a period, they had greater deficits later. And so that was a huge aha for me of like, well, of course, because what is what is going to happen if estrogen is high and unchallenged? You're you're going to have more inflammation, but there's going to be more fluid as well, more water retention. And you know, when for anyone who's gone through a traumatic brain injury, like my doctors laughed every every time they go in with my husband, they'd be like, "Is she screaming at you or hitting you? Has she thrown anything yet?" Like because people with traumatic brain injuries have big mood swings. We can see that early. Well, the nice thing about progesterone therapy is it's going to stimulate GABA, a little stop break on you freaking out, and you're going to feel a little more chill, a little less anxious. So that's another, I mean, another consideration for it. But yeah, I mean, it's funny because it, my neurologist thought it was going to be very many months, like probably a good like four to six months. I mean, in the beginning, I couldn't fe- speak full sentences. I couldn't figure out how to structure a sentence writing it. Um, I, I still haven't totally remembered some like basic definitions. I'm not super worried about that. I'm like, we can we can lose second grade oh, for a little bit. I I could probably help fix that for you with the, Let's the talk about it. facility that I I, I rented <clears throat> 40 years of Zen. Uh, in up in Seattle, we we do some. Well, it's not a medical thing; it's personal development. But, but yeah, routinely. I will. That we can see that on a twenty-four channel. You, you yeah. can, we see like ninety percent of executives have traumatic brain injury from some time in their childhood that's still affecting their behavior, and they don't yeah. know it. And we're like, we'll just show the brain. You could route around that. Yeah, but it, it's it's fascinating. I have no idea. I'm all so into it because six right. months later, and I'm still nauseous, and that's my like one oh. thing that's really hanging on. It feels like I'm in my first trimester pregnancy every day. Um, that one's not so fun. We're still working on that, but the fact that like I mean, the next thing that happened after my brain protocol is after about four weeks, I could only dump like four thousand oh. word content. Like I, my brain wow. is like stronger in so many ways. And it was JJ who was like, you know what, Jolene, I don't want you just to make your, your, you know, I don't want you to just heal your brain. I want you to be committed to making it stronger than it was before the yeah. injury. And I was like, I love this. Let's do this. Like, let's do all, all the things. So, so let's, let's compare notes. I'll, yeah. I, I want you to tell me what you recommend someone do the first 24 hours after they're hit in the head. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you what I did the first 24 hours after I got hit in the head. So you go first. Okay. So once brain bleed has been ruled out, we hit the ginkgo, we go high dose fish okay. oil. Rule, and it's ruled out by x-ray. Um, yeah, or imaging. Or MRI. Can, yeah, okay, CT MRI. or MRI. What's interesting okay. is that they start with MRI, but there's been some studies to show that like 30% of people who repeat with a CT, there's there's actually you know uh, issues in the brain that weren't caught the first time. So to me, it's okay. important that we should actually measure people more than once. But so fish oil, I went to 30 grams. I mean, I choked down 30 grams as soon as I could. Of course, you want to have like a doctor supervising this. For me, I'm like, hey, if I start bruising, I want a little bit too high. 
high. But if you look at the research, like it's it's not very good in terms of the claims that fish oil will make you bleed out. Um, so there's actually like the, the evidence isn't so good that that'll happen. So that GPC, so um, doing the phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine, that, um, that I definitely got into play right away. Um, turmeric. Oh my gosh. And then I went keto right away. And I'm like, that was so so fasting is definitely like non-negotiable. I like would want to see a 24 hour fast, but I really say like, give yourself two to three days. I think there's a wisdom that I'm nauseous and about every other week, I can't eat for two to three days. I can drink coffee. So drink my bulletproof coffee. Oh my, your brain octane is gangbusters, by the way. I was like, (laughs) if you're feeling fine and you take that you don't you're like i notice a little bit of difference if you're not feeling fine that's really the profound effect so that was like once i experienced that of like i do what's called upgraded golden milk um where i'm doing the um that you know brain octane in that i'm doing ghee doing all of that with turmeric um but i definitely am in a fan um you know coffee is actually going to so if you're some so you know i came from a nutrition background and we were like never never have coffee on an empty stomach and keto's bad (laughs) i laugh about like my what i was taught 20 years ago um so you know uh coffee actually you know it's interesting because i went through like now now i fast like two to three days every couple of weeks And my body actually craves coffee first thing in the morning. I actually had the, I was just listening to, uh, I was at a seminar with Dr. Perlmutter, who was saying that ketones go high in the morning, then you hit the coffee, ketones go even higher. Makes sense, right? My brain didn't, I got really nauseous in the morning, didn't want me to eat, what could I tolerate? High fat and like four cups of coffee, people. So let me just like out myself with that. Coffee is totally what I'm leveraging to help my brain. It's so amazing. There's a study that says uh, caffeine in the morning, about as much as in two small cups of coffee, Mm -hmm. doubles ketone production, Mm -hmm. which is totally unknown, but it's a real study and you're like, wow. Yeah. Okay, so you hit ketones, you hit fish oil, and you hit progesterone for your brain injury. Progesterone, all the amino acids, ginkgo, turmeric, and uh, high antioxidants. So I also did HBOT therapy, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And then I had this whole cocktail of like antioxidants um, Mm -hmm. and mitochondrial. I use a mitochondrial product, so I was like big time like... Uh, and mitochondrial support, glutathione, I mean, just, I mean, everything for that. And then I would go do that, you know, about an hour and a half, two hours before the HBOT. And then I would do it again afterwards. And I did that twice a day um, for several months. And I also made the goal and people think I'm crazy for this, but I meditated for about four hours every day. And I really committed to that. And when you talk about like, you know, the things that are in the subconscious and the things that come up in your lineage and all of that, Never has there been a bigger blessing for me to go into my subconscious and literally uproot like what was planted from my parents, what was planted from other people, what I'd picked up in society. Like I've been remodeling my brain in such a phenomenal way. And I'm like, thank you for the head injury because would I have invested to do this? No, but not being able to walk, you know, for several months. I mean, I couldn't drive. Um I can drive for about three months. I just started night driving. Like when you have something humbling like that go on and then you ha- you're you like, I have to do something. Like I, I had to get hit in the head. I had to get hit in yep. the head. And now I'm like convinced that, I mean, what I'm coming out of with this and what, I mean, everybody's like, Dr. Brighton, we need you to talk about post-birth control syndrome. Something that I've been working on in my clinic for years. And I'm convinced that like, 
all of this is coming full circle to my mission and the work that I'm here to do on this planet. So I I see my brain injury as a, a blessing, as crazy as it is, but I really am like learning a tremendous amount. Yeah. So they can they can teach you a lot. Totally. That's for sure. All right, so your turn. First 24 right, so hours. I, <laughs> so I, I took a, a titanium knee to the head uh, flying through the air. Uh, Is that it, Burning Man? Man. <laughs> just, yeah. Was that JJ's knee? I, I, I'm not really sure whose knee it was. My memory is impaired. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I, uh, it was a big arena. Uh, anyway, it was, it was in the Thunderdome at, uh, at Burning Man. Okay, so, so you should probably have expected to walk out with at least a mild concussion. Well, you're in the well, Thunderdome. You're, just, you're using foam bats. It's all good funny. It was, it was actually hilarious. And uh, it, was, it was just an accidental thing. And it was it was within a minute of this. I'm like, okay, I can't handle the blinky bright lights that are all over the place. Oh, yeah. I'm nauseous. Like I need to lay down. Like you guys need to take me back to the to the RV. Uh, thankfully, we had the the uh, the art car, which is a giant stick of butter with a cup of coffee spinning around on top. So I'm like laying on the hood of it, and they're like using it as an ambulance. And I went back, and because I was camping with masses of health people, like I'm like everyone, give me all of your fish oil. Yeah. And I didn't know if I was bleeding or not, but I'm like, I don't really care. I'm just going to do this. Uh, so, you were, you that, know that, where you were at? I, well, if you had a brain it, it, was, it was a risk, yeah. right? Yeah. And <laughs> I also, I took 10 keto primes, mm-hmm. uh, which is the bulletproof thing. And this is a mitochondrial support. It, whenever your mitochondria have problems, they run out of this rare ketone. It's different than the ketones that we talked about. They run out of that. So mm-hmm. I just took 10 of those. And I kept taking them. Like, I don't know how many I took. A lot. Because I just wanted to have maximum energy sufficiency. Because the first thing that happens in the first 24 to 72 hours is you get this uh, swelling. And you get mitochondrial death. Yep. And I'm like, you guys don't need to die. So, like, like hang out here. Yeah. I took a lot of brain octane, as much as I could take, in the form of bulletproof mm-hmm. coffee. Uh, I used a metal filter when I brewed the coffee. And the reason is that there's two studies that show coffee oils are anti-inflammatory in the brain. That's mm-hmm. why I still to this day say use a metal filter, not a paper filter, if you're drinking coffee that doesn't have mold in it. Snap. Paper I've got a Chemex. I'm like, i got to get that there information from Oh, you. just get a get an ABLE filter. They're A-B, I think A-B-E-L or A-B-L-E. They use, it's a metal filter that fits in your Chemex. It makes better tasting coffee, and it gets you the oils from the coffee. And some people, they raise cholesterol, but they turn off inflammation will raise in cholesterol. Oh, you live longer with higher cholesterol and no inflammation. I guess yeah. that's not a problem. Oh, I swear that, I'm the only doctor yeah. that's telling people, like, I need your cholesterol higher. I'm like, you need to make hormones. <laughs> I need your cholesterol higher. Your brain right. doesn't right. like this. Um, as long as your as long as your inflammation is down, exactly. I, I would that. It, it's like but, at the end of the day. Yeah. Who's the, yeah. And, right. And so I, I did that just to finish that for listeners who are like, what do I do? So ketosis from brain octane oil, really important because mm-hmm. ketones, you listen to the interview with Dr. Veach on Bulletproof Radio, we talk a lot about inflammation and why that's important. Uh, and then I, I started on progesterone right away because fortunately a lot of us on progesterone. I'm like, give me some cream, give me some pills. I'm just going to do this. And let's see, I didn't use testosterone, which I normally, uh, I normally use testosterone. I've been really open about that for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone on and off of it, but I take a, a biological identical dose so that I just have like medium, like around 70th percentile where I want to be. And uh, so I stopped doing that because that actually is contraindicated with a, a brain injury like that. And I still was pretty rocked by this. And about three weeks later, I went and I did... Uh, I looked at my brain, and I actually I'll publish this because I, I have my my twenty four channel EEG stuff from forty years of Zen, and I I have a Zen brain. Like I've done four months of intense neurofeedback with personal development, 
where like my symmetry is, is you look at a map of asymmetry in my brain, there's nothing there because mm-hmm. everything is symmetrical and it runs well. And it looks like spaghetti. Like there's all these lines everywhere in, on, on a representation of the brain because I was no longer uh, symmetrical. I wasn't in synchrony. So it, it took about two days of like really focused feedback to get my brain back to where it had been before. And I think without that, it would have taken many hours of meditation mm-hmm. per day. And I'm fortunate, okay, this isn't what we do at 40 Years In, it's a personal development process, but I happen to have neuroscientists who I work with on a regular basis, so we took the clinical grade gear and we used it clinically yeah. instead, of, uh, instead of for personal development. But without that, like there were definitely some personality sort of changes. I was more angry, like I sent a yeah. few angry emails to people uh, where I like had perceived that they had offended me or something. like. Like there was one guy, another health influencer, um, who had like kind of done something that, that at the time I perceived as underhanded. Where it's like, look, you know, I've helped you a lot. Like, why, you know, why are you trying to throw myself under the bus here? Like, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, but it, so basically, I was much quicker to anger mm-hmm. uh, than I normally would be, and more likely to be like, you know what? Here's my middle finger. Yeah. Uh, and I, in my normal, I'm not like that. In my normal life, I I don't swear, and I swore quite mm-hmm. a lot for a little while. Uh, and I'm just like, like I'm. I'm even and I'm kind and I was just a little bit more aggressive. Oh, totally. Uh, certainly my kids and wife knows that. Yeah, inflammation uh, on the brain does sound. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing, though, that I think is really important is noise-canceling headphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use those a lot uh, just the first couple days just to allow the noise in the brain to come down. And, and this is, I, I showed those glasses earlier in the interview, the, the True Dark glasses, like they're yes. noise-canceling headphones for your eyes, basically. And that was ridiculous. Like what happens when you, instead of using blue blockers, you use like the, the full-on, uh, full-on like dark block everything that, that affects mitochondria. The mitochondria talk to each other with light. When you block all of the light, that, all the spectrum of light that interferes with their ability to talk via light, I think that there's really good use for that. And during brain recovery, they use different colored lenses. So I'm like, hey, I'm just going to try this. And certainly I felt calmer because it was like I was in a dark room, even mm-hmm. though I wasn't. Yeah. So that seemed to matter for me. Yeah. Well, and that was, I mean, I had to just walk around with amber glasses like all the time. And then okay. definitely in a dark room or in the dark age bot, like as often as possible for those yeah. reasons. You know, something you brought up. So in the first 24 hours, inflammation goes up in the brain. We also develop leaky gut. And we actually see in the animal studies, so because they can't dissect humans, um, that when there is brain trauma, that not only is there intestinal hyperpermeability, but you also start breaking off cells. So the micro start just sloughing off so your gut is like really? giving up yes and so you cannot like just l-glutamine your way out of that plus l-glutamine can be a little too excitatory around the brain <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't take l-glutamine right after brain injury. yeah not no. advice but it's something that it's you know it's really important if we we sit back and we and i'm doing a lot of reframes since this has happened of like people who are like not recovering their gut so like i treat a lot of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth i'm always doing vagal nerve stimulation with these people because <laughs> <laughs> the crux of this is that we've got a nervous system dysregulation. Like there's issues with how the gut's actually moving. The bacteria in the wrong place, we've got to corral them, put them in the wrong place and kill some of them. But, you know, all things being said, there's a motility issue there. So it's really giving me a reframe and asking people, when, like, have you been hit in the head, even, even mildly? And looking at if you don't heal your brain, if you're not actively healing your brain after that, then we can't expect that your gut can be healed. And what's really yeah. interesting is that you're, so, you know, you got to wear the glasses. You've got to wear the noise canceling. Definitely. I couldn't listen to music for four months because 
you don't even realize what's going on in the background. As babies, we are developing just how to put everything on autopilot. Like you are just processing so much stuff. But if you don't actively heal that brain, your brain actually loses the ability to know where your gut is in space. So your brain won't even know how to communicate to your gut correctly because it's not sure where it's at. So, you know, I just want to add in that piece because, I mean, this is another way where keto can help so much because, you know, you are delivering, you know, the high fat that's going to help the brain. It's going to help inflammation. It's what, you know, the bacteria in your small intestine would prefer instead of like high boluses or carbohydrates. But there's a lot of things to heal the brain that if you, you have to do those if you're going to heal your gut. It's not going to be, you know, just glutamine and doing a you know autoimmune paleo diet or something like that no there's neurological component to all of this there, there is and you just reminded me of three other things i did that are worth mentioning <laughs> totally I, I love this i am like eating this all up right now <laughs> I, I also pounded like 10 unfair advantages a day it's another mitochondrial stimulant that's an activated form of highly absorbable PQQ bound to CoQ10. Mm-hmm. And so I'm this, I, I feel that normally. I take, I'm like, whoa, there's, it, it, things are working again. Yeah. So I, um, I took a lot of that on a daily basis, but right after the injury, I'm like, just like opening ampules and swallowing as many as I had on me. Uh, then I used uh, facial ice baths or cryotherapy for the vagal nerve thing. Yeah. And I used a cold, a cold laser on my head over the side of the injury, which is incredibly powerful to do that. So so those are things like, oh, and hyperbaric. I also have my own hyperbaric chamber mm-hmm. here at Bulletproof Labs, which is convenient. So I'm like, oh, I'll get home and hop in hyperbaric. Yeah. So yeah, I, you and I are unusual because you're in functional medicine because I'm a biohacker, but... If you if you're as bad as you were, where you can't talk and all that stuff, like you want the stuff that JJ has written about, stuff that yeah. you've written about, uh, and things like that, and just anything on earth that will support your mitochondria. And I think ketosis is well supported. I also would say, and this will annoy people, if you're using brain octane, you can get some ketones. It automatically converts its exogenous ketones. There is an argument for a small amount of sugar after the brain injury. Mm-hmm. Just because you want to get the energy in the mitochondria, they're mm-hmm. dying, literally dying for energy. I don't have any problem with having ketones and sugar at the same time uh, post-brain injury. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not saying drink a Coke. I'm saying a little bit of sugar could go a long way just towards keeping you from getting hypoglycemia, which, yeah. is, which is not a good thing at the time. To your point on awesome. the cryotherapy, um, it happened to snow in Portland. It was like the coldest, snowiest Portland. So I actually would go outside and just, I would bundle up my whole body and just lay my head in the snow for like 20 minutes. And like, so yeah. yeah. And then every time I could go outside and sit for like at least 20 minutes and just leave my head exposed and definitely you know, the cold laser therapy, definitely use that infrared lights, like all of that, Mm. everything you've said, I totally back that up as well. Nice. Awesome. Well, we are on a pretty long episode of Bulletproof Radio here, which is cool because we're talking about basically three different topics. Like what about mommy brain? What about birth control? And what about hitting yourself in the head? Uh, But we we fit it all in, but you haven't answered the final question. Ooh, the final question. For Bulletproof Radio, which is, if someone came to you tomorrow, and based on everything you've you've lived through and been through and done and all that, so not just your medical stuff, uh, someone came and said, look, I want to perform better at everything I do, better at being a human being, what are the three most important pieces of advice you have for me? What would you tell them? Oh my gosh. So definitely, if you want to be a better human being, then you need to be very present. You need to practice mindfulness. And when things get uncomfortable, you need to explore that, go deep down and understand why. I think that would be my very first thing. Um, All animals want to avoid pain, but as humans, we have pills now. And I think we've over-medicated an entire society from being able to like 
have their wherewithal about that. So I think if you want to be a better person, you first need to get a really clean mirror and start taking a look at all of that. Um, I definitely think you've got to love your microbiome because like you were, you know, you were introducing, if you don't have the right gut bacteria, I mean, we've known for a long time, not only can gut bacteria influence your mood, but there's viruses that can get into your brain and they can control your mood. So if you're not taking care of your microbiome and your inflammation, forget it. And the third thing is I would say you can't go wrong. I mean, everything we talked about today, you can't go wrong with loving your mitochondria, right? Because if you've got the energy to show up, so if you've got energy at the cellular level, then you've got the energy to show up as a whole person and fully yourself every single day and to do that big work, like whatever you were put here for. And what you're doing to take care of your mitochondria just so happens to be all of the things that send the body that the signal's safe. So back full circle to what we were talking about, if the body feels safe, now we can do that higher level work. Now we can start to transcend into the mind-body aspect and even the spiritual aspect and right back to, is this mine? Is this someone else's? Do I need to heal my family lineage? Um, That would be my three. Those would be my three big ones. Beautiful. Well, thanks, uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Where can people find out more info about you? Yeah, you can find me at drbrighton.com. That's D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N. So a little tricky, like bright and like the sun. If you're listening to this and you're like, I need help with post-birth control syndrome right away, go to my website. I got you there. We'll get you into a detox. If you feel better from that, you might not need a doctor. If you don't, That information is really helpful to take to a doctor as well. And then, of course, I'm on Facebook. You can always catch me there. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, thanks, Jolene. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to chat. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon at one of JJ's events. Yeah. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you again. If you liked today's episode, you know what to do. Head on over to iTunes and tell people that it's good by leaving a five-star review. And while you're at it, since you're in the the gratitude mindset of saying thanks, you might as well go to Amazon, go to the Headstrong page, and if you bought the book and you read it and you liked it, leave a five-star review. Reviews on Amazon are amazing. We just hit the New York Times list for the second time, this time in the science section on the monthly bestsellers. And anything that you do there, I will see personally. I I read all of my reviews there. So I really appreciate if you take the time to do that. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.